Hey, photographers, welcome to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz, and really I'm just here to help you build a sustainable photography business. That certainly means helping you improve your photographic skills and enabling you to become a stronger business owner, but it also means helping you work more efficiently so you don't get burnt out in the long run. We are sponsored by PhotographersEdit.com, custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and Milu.com, that's M-I-I-L-U.com, the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing. All right, let's get into today's episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're back for a, another new podcast episode. Uh, and, and I'm here actually with a brand new guest, Nina Larson-Reed is here. Nina, um, maybe you can even make a suggestion for me. I was thinking as I, as I started recording and did the intro, I usually say basically the same phrase every single time. Um, and there's something to be said for consistency and familiarity for podcast listening, but I need to mix it up. Do you have the ideas? Uh, that is not my forte. <laughs> <laughs> like, man, that's why, you're, that's why you're running this thing and I'm just on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really and truly appreciate you coming and hanging out with me today. And, and I have to reiterate this, uh, and I've said this before in the podcast, but when I express to you and our other guests that come on the show, appreciation and, and say thanks for that. Uh, it really, it truly feels like a privilege to me um, that you would make time to spend uh, sharing with us things that you've learned from your experience running a business and being a photographer and, um, and the fact that you would, of course, share with the community advice that will, in some form or fashion, I'm sure, enable them to be able to move their business forward. It's really, really nice. So I, I really appreciate you doing that for us today. Well, I'm glad you've given us a platform to do that because I feel like that's one of the things that gives me life in this business is just like not feeling isolated and like you're just doing this for yourself. Yeah. So it's it's nice to get to share what we've learned. It really is. There's something, and I, tell me if this is a, if you've had a similar experience, but I've spent close to 20 years in the industry. I've spent a lot of time reading and consuming information ultimately to make myself a better business owner. And there's so much kind of stuck in my head. And of course, ideally, I use that in my own business. But beyond that, it just kind of feels stuck. When I have the outlet to be able to share and to teach and, and help others, it's so fulfilling to actually be able to do something with that that doesn't just benefit me. No, exactly. And I feel like normally I get a lot of that via, uh, I have a really good community of local photographers where there's like 10 of us who used to get together for coffee once a week and nice. really work through problems together. Um, and that obviously has not been happening this year. Um, sure. So yeah, uh, get, getting to share anything is, is good. Well, this is an interesting, um, just kind of a side conversation, if you will. But you mentioned the significance of that local community that you have. And, you know, I've noticed... It seems as though, at least in our local industry, uh, and I again, I've been here for about 20 years or so. Back when I was actively shooting, I was a wedding photographer for over 10 years, and the local community was relatively vibrant. We'd get together for meals uh, or for, you know, P I was part of the PPA chapter, and so we would get together and have a speaker and, and get together and hang out. Um, that seems to have died off, and certainly not just because of COVID. And it seems almost like we're pulling teeth trying to get people to get together in person. What's what's encouraged that in your community? I don't know. I think we just really like each other's company. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, it's it's funny because there's you know the group that I hang out with. It's like if you were to Google Colorado elopement photographer and look at the top 10 results, like yeah. five of us get together once a week for coffee, wow. you know? So a lot of them are like my biggest competition too. Okay. But I think there's something really freeing about seeing people more as, you know, I know we hear community over competition all the time, but it's really hard to see that in practice. Sure. But I don't know if it's just Colorado because we have so much business to go around out here or what it is, but it, it feels really nice when you can get out of your own head of like, you don't have to see people as a threat because they're going to steal your bookings. You know, you can actually share of like, oh, here's something cool I learned that's also going to help you. And yes, that might help you take a client that otherwise would have booked me, but we're all better off for it. Yeah. Well, and you get 50 more in line. And I, I can imagine, and this is totally an assumption, I'd love to know that despite COVID, your, your business probably has not only continued, but maybe even grown with the number of uh, elopements that are happening. Absolutely. Uh, I, I had been kind of teetering on the fence of like, should I go all in on elopements or should I keep doing big weddings too? Yeah. And I saw March with the shutdown as the big flashing sign I had been waiting for of like, wow. okay, it's uh, time to go all in on this. Yeah. Um, so mid-March, you know, I took all the big wedding stuff and collections and everything off my website and just focused completely on elopements. And 
it definitely worked out. I mean, this year I shot 10 weddings and elopements fewer than last year, but made the same revenue. Um, So even with, you know, having lost plenty into cancellations and postponements and all of that, I made up for it with shorter notice bookings and it's been pretty great, all things considering. Wow. Well, c- congrats to you. And and by the way, not just for being able to c- continue to maintain comparable revenue, despite everything that's going on, but also seeing an opportunity, seeing the sign, which is, okay, I need to go ahead and jump in and go for it, uh, especially amidst a, you know, a questionable in e- economy. Uh, I love that you just, you took that risk and you did just that and it's paid off. Well, I I think I've been waiting for a sign for long enough that when something as obvious as big gatherings are shut down completely happens, uh, it's hard not to run with that, right? Yeah. Well, but I think there is a, um, a, maybe not a tendency is not really the word because none of us have really faced anything comparable before. But I guess in any general situation where you don't have all the answers, it's easy to hold back. And in fact, I've, I've faced this on a personal level, multiple levels this year, honestly. And, you know, I have gotten to the stage in my life where um, I've, I, I begin to kind of ask myself, essentially ask myself this question, which is, am I functioning out of fear? Or, you know, it, it depends on the person you're talking to or the book that you read, but this, this notion of fear versus love or fear versus passion. Um, and, and, I'm, and I'm really trying to step away from this kind of apprehensive tendency that I had for various reasons. And just go for it on multiple levels. Yep. And, I, and I love that you did the same thing. Yeah, I, I think, um, I, I'm sure you know Ben Hartley, but he's yeah. always preaching um, abundance over scarcity. And I yes. think that's really stuck with me as, you know, even in this year where we knew things were going to look different and not everything would be able to go on. Like, where can you find the abundance in that? And mm. I, I don't know. I think even, you know, as things are canceling, just having that like the safety and knowledge of, okay, so I can't, this wedding canceled. I just lost $5,000. Well, I, it's okay. I will be able to book something new to make up for it. And yeah, it, it, it definitely helps to not operate out of that place of like, Oh shit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and to, to take that line of thought even further, if you don't book another event that, that allows you to keep that five grand, the reality is that five grand isn't going to end your life. It's not going to end your business. Um, now, I, I can. The flip side of that, of course, is I understand those who are in a place just to begin with, where they don't have a cushion. Their business is brand new, and so the, the conversation becomes different at that point. But I would venture that at least most established photographers going into COVID, uh, hopefully anyway, aren't in that like just functioning on a thread situation. And, uh, and so there is no need to kind of freeze and totally shut down. We just need to mm-hmm. keep pushing forward. And, and the reality is that opportunity, further opportunity will come our way if we're willing to put the work in. And yep. so anyway, that's at least the, the, the line of thought that I'm running with at the moment and, um, and want to continue to build on as a habit. And yeah. it's, it's, it's really, there's a sense of relief that comes with that too. Uh, well, and especially because really like, even when we get through this pandemic, you know, I'm, I don't know about everyone else listening, but I'm planning on being in this game for another 20, 30 years, right? Like, sure. hopefully we never have to go through another pandemic, but there will always be struggles in business. Right. And, you know, how you've handled this year, I think says a lot about how you can make it through anything else that comes up too. Hmm. That, yeah, yeah. Well, I, again, major props to you for the way that you've handled it. And I think all of our listeners can take this as an example and encouragement ultimately. And for those of you, you know, that, that, that were in a tough spot to begin with and then got hit with COVID. Um, I, I, I mean, I certainly empathize with you, number one. And if there's anything that we can continue to do here at the podcast to enable you to continue to push forward, to build a business, to, to pivot, whatever it is, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out. And I would love to make sure that that content is in some way benefiting you. Before, Nina, I jump to our first question about brand position, as we normally do here at the podcast, I, I noticed something interesting in your bio. And it says, and this is specifically in your Instagram account. So for everybody listening in, Larson, L-A-R-S-E-N, Photo Co., We'll link to that in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. But it says, I bought a one-way ticket from Norway to Colorado and fell in love hard. Can you give us a brief backstory associated with that line? Yeah. So um, shout out to my copywriter, Rachel Grayman, for that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she, um, so I moved to Colorado in 2010 um, as an au pair. So kind of, you know, live in a nanny, yeah. exchange student situation. Okay. And really had only seen that as a way to like, 
get out of my super small town in Norway and see something different for a year. And, you know, I ended up in Boulder, Colorado, which I think if you're going to come from Norway to the U.S., that's about as small of a culture shock as you can go is coming to Boulder. Okay. Um, It's, it's, you know, very European, very outdoorsy type of place. But I, um, you know, fell in love with Boulder really quickly. And then a couple months later, I, of course, met an American who I fell in love with. Um, (laughs) So... Here I am 10 years later. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, what a cool story. And, and I wish we had time to kind of delve into that further because it sounds super interesting. I've never had the opportunity to spend time in Norway. Um, and in oh, fact, you'd love it. Oh, man, I would. And absolutely, I would. I know I would. And, and I'm hoping to, to do a little bit more uh, tourism, if you will, in Europe in the, in the near future. Uh, yeah. But, but I'm, I'm glad that it's worked out so well for you. And again, to be able to kind of learn from your experience as a business owner today, uh, and, and you have a super compelling business at that, uh, for those of you listening in, just to give you a little bit of context as we delve into Nina and her business, uh, if you go to larsenphoto.co, that is her website, and you'll have context to what we're about to get into. But on that note, Nina, talk to me about brand position. This is something we spend really endless amounts of time speaking about here on the podcast. We will continue to do so because I think it's super important in a really busy industry. What is your brand position there in the Boulder area? Yeah. So I plan and photograph epic elopements, as I like to say, and uh, micro weddings across Colorado for couples who really are looking to do something different for their wedding day. And I mean, that's that's the short of it. But um, and, and short is good, by the way. That's great. Yeah, okay, good. good. <laughs> <laughs> the shorter, the better. Well, and, and we you mentioned to me before we started recording, uh, you've been kind enough to listen to the podcast. So you may have heard me say this before, but there is there is so much noise that we face literally and figuratively digital or otherwise as just human beings in 2020 American culture, but then certainly as photography business owners, that when we think about how we're going to communicate to a potential client, the last thing that we need to do is write out paragraphs of text. And, and some photographers will do that. And I think it takes away from our effort ultimately at clearly communicating what we're about as a business and then guiding that potential client to at least starting a conversation with us, if not booking us. And so the shorter, the better. Yeah. And I think that's part of where this year has actually worked out really well for my business is that as soon as, you know, the shutdown started and I took all the wedding stuff off of my website, it suddenly went from being like, well, you know, I do some elopements, but also some big weddings and a little bit of everything. And to just like, no, I plan and photograph elopements. That's it. And I think that level of clarity for the clients too, like, they know right away when they land on my website, whether that's something they're interested in or not. Yes, 100%. And for everybody listening in, if you haven't looked yet, uh, the really cool thing about Nina's brand position statement, first of all, again, is its brevity, its specificity, its clarity, but also just very simply the fact that it's above the fold. And we've talked about this quite a bit, but you know, when I, when I do brand position consultations with other photographers, I'll go searching and, and looking at their competition, their so-called competition in the market that they're in, and the the amount of time that I have to spend in some cases looking for that position statement or something comparable to a position statement on a photographer's website is concerning, to say the least. Because to your point, Nina, somebody lands on your site and they're curious to book a photographer if, if they don't immediately know how you're different than the you know thousand other photographers in the area, then that's a problem and they may get bored very quickly and leave. In this case, your brand position statement, first of all, Colorado elopement photographer is in larger font and then the subtext slightly, I would say probably about a third the size of the font right underneath it, still bold, helping down to earth couples plan epic elopements and create memories for life. And then to, to take it even a step further, you've got a very clear call to action, a button right underneath that that say, let's talk about your elopement. And I love, first of all, again, the fact that the, the position statement is, is readily available in mobile format as well as desktop format. But then you're not, you're not forcing them to commit to booking you yet. You're just saying, hey, let's have a conversation about elopement. That's your call to action. Yep. That's uh, very specific. I, I know you will get into this later too, but... I I mean, if you don't have a reason for people to keep scrolling beyond the first, like, opening above the fold, like, most people just have the one pretty photo. But if everyone just has one pretty photo, like, there's nothing setting you apart. So, 
yeah, I, I feel really strongly about website design and all of the things that go into that because that's my happy place. So, well, and, and honestly, I, I was just generally impressed looking at your site, even previous to our conversation today, that there's really an opportunity, I think, for a whole separate conversation just about that, that design. We'll maybe save that for a different day, but I want to keep going because uh, I'm, my next question has to do with customer experience. And if you're at least in tune enough with your potential client to design your website in this way, um, I can certainly imagine that you're very much in tune with creating a really great experience for your clients. What does that look like for you? Is there a big idea that drives that? Yes, uh, clear communication. Because um, I don't remember where I heard this quote, and I can't remember it exactly. But it, the con- the concept is people only get upset if they feel either confused or lied to. Um, and hmm. so I feel like most customer service problems that come up come because you haven't communicated clearly enough upfront about what's about to happen, what you're doing and when. And so I, I definitely tend to talk things to death with people. Um, but <laughs> I, I think it's important to make sure that everyone knows what's happening. So even like, um, you know, for my couples, I do so much more than just show up to take the photos. You know, I help them pick out the location. I help them find their vendors, like all of the things that go into planning an elopement. And that can be really confusing for couples because they've never been through that before. Um, And so the more clearly I can prepare them for this is what's happening when, at which stage of the process, um, the happier they end up being in the result, result. And I mean, when I look at my reviews, I feel like they are 90% 90% talking about the planning and everything leading up to it. And then like 10% of like, oh yeah, and we love the photos. <laughs> well, I, that that quote, I want to go back to it because it, it really sums up the thought process beautifully. People only get upset if they feel confused or lied to. And I, my, my microphone is relatively sensitive. I don't know if anybody heard me literally typing this on into my, I have a, a quotes document in Evernote. I was typing it into my phone as you were talking because that's super powerful. And I think it's applicable not just to business relationships, but personal relationships as well. People only get upset if they feel confused or lied to. And this is something that we spend and will continue to spend quite a bit of time on at Photographer's Edit, for example, and, and certainly my other companies where we, I, I want to make sure that there isn't confusion. I'm not concerned about lying to clients because that's not a, a kind of a behavioral practice on my part that, that I would subscribe to. But I, the very, and in fact, on the, quite the opposite, I'm very intentional about communicating as honestly as possible. But specifically when it comes to expectation management, it does require plenty of communication, communication that they, that actually resonates with that potential client. You're communicating in words that they understand uh, in a style that they understand and can relate to. And ultimately, they, the, the idea that they know ahead of time what's going to go down can help set them at ease and, and create a sense of trust, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I mean, I feel like this year, um, you know, I've had to have more difficult conversations with my clients than ever before sure. uh, for pretty obvious reasons. Yeah. But one of the things I've noticed is, you know, before COVID happened, like I never really addressed the non-refundable portion of a retainer on a consultation call. Mm. Cause that's just, you know, it's contract language. You assume that they read that. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, it didn't take long into March before, you know, I was running into problems with that where people were pissed off at, you know, why are you not refunding the non-refundable retainer? And so ever since then, you know, anyone who's booked me since the pandemic started, I've had, just been very upfront with them on our client call of like, look, you know, I'll let you postpone if COVID is still a thing. And, you know, you have restrictions around that. But if you completely cancel on me, that money is gone. And people are like, okay, yeah, no, we totally understand. But all they want is to be told directly what's happening, right? And the only problems I've had with that came from the couples who I booked before I started being very explicit about it being non-refundable. Um, so I think that's the type of example of like, it, it might feel uncomfortable to talk out, talk about, but your clients are going to be so much happier that you addressed it in just like a normal human way and not just legalese in a contract. That's, that is really important. And I actually did a podcast interview recently with a photographer who was talking about this very idea. It's, it, you need to actually take the time to go through these points with your clients. So it's not it, come that difficult conversation as you're describing, Nina, it's not kind of a surprise, something that slaps them in the face, because the reality is, and, and we've probably all been guilty of it, most contracts just kind of get signed without a detailed read through. And then mm-hmm. and three months and six months, something comes up like COVID and you're like, hey, sorry, I can't give your money back. 
that just kind of that comes across really cold. Whereas if you had proactively managed those expectations to begin with and, and pointed out the most important components of that contract as they're signing it so that they know, so the conversation's been had, man, it would, it would just it would really ease the potential tension that could come with a conversation like that later. Yep. No, and and that's all it is, is address problems before they become problems, right? And yes. they won't be a problem later down the road. So I, w- I wish I remembered where I got that quote from, but I cannot. <laughs> well, we'll, um, well, we'll give credit to you for now. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> all right. Well, let's let's talk about time management and and really first of all just to kind of get us started, share with us how you effectively manage time. Is there a big idea that has enabled you to effectively manage time as a business owner and also having family? What's what is the big idea that drives that so-called balance for your life? Um, so I don't feel like I've had to work that hard on that balance because okay. I'm a Norwegian. Uh, we don't tend to work ourselves to death the way <laughs> okay. Americans do. All right. Um, so, I mean, growing up in Norway, like, you know, having my first jobs there and everything, 37 and a half hour work week is standard. Anything okay. beyond that, people think you're crazy. And so I feel like I've done pretty good of following that here too, where, you know, when I have a non-shooting day, like I'm in my office for five, six hours a day and that's it, you know, then I shut down the computer, do something for fun afterwards. Um, but yes, I don't really have any like productivity hacks or ways to get as much done as possible. You know, I obviously use a to-do list and I keep that super organized and I try to prioritize doing my most important tasks first and all of those standard tips. But I don't know. I I, I just really enjoy my free time just as much as I enjoy working on my business. Yeah. And at that point, it's not that hard to prioritize shutting down of like, I don't have to answer emails right now because I'm going to binge watch The Crown with my husband. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so this is fascinating to me, though. So just culturally, this is how you think, and and, and I love that. But I'm curious then, and and man, there's probably, again, a much bigger conversation to be had around this, but what is the, I guess, the mentality then that enables that kind of uh, I, I, the really, first of all, I guess the lack of FOMO, right? Cause a lot of photographers might be like, well, if, if I'm not getting this much work done, I'm wor- not working this many hours, or I'm not constantly responding to email or text messages or messenger messages or whatever it might be that I'm going to somehow miss out and I'm not quote hustling. And yet you've been able to yeah, create hustle. Hustle is like the biggest lie we've told ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Explain what you mean. Uh, I just think it's so unnecessary. Like you, you, you can put in the work you need to do, but like, I mean, I mean, most people are stressed out about feeling like they're putting in too many hours. How many hours do you realistically spend in Facebook groups for photographers in a day? Right. Um, you know, like there's so many time sucks that are not actually work, but we convince ourselves they're important. Yes. Like I, I know what that when it comes to, you know, getting actual work done in my business, I have client work. Um, so, you know, editing emails, planning, all of those things, those are always my priority. Those always have to get done first because, they're also not always my favorite things to be working on. (laughs) And so I know that, you know, I tend to procrastinate them if I don't get them done, but then comes all of the marketing and, you know, everything else going into the business. And I think that's where it's easy to get distracted and not know what to focus on. But like, I very intentionally, like I, I don't spend much time on Instagram. I don't spend much time on Facebook um, because I know that my website is what drives actual traffic and leads and revenue in my business. So when I have time that I'm spending on those type of tasks, I already know the most important place to spend that time. Um, and, you know, not just guesswork. Like I use Tave as my CRM. Okay. Uh, I do a lot of tracking to see, you know, where do leads actually come from? Where, what are my revenue categories? Where did those come from? And I think making informed decisions like that, you can cut out so much time that yeah. you're probably spending on things that aren't working for you. Well, and you just summed this up so beautifully and I'm so excited about this. So if if those listening in would simply focus on what is ultimately going to enable them to increase their bottom line, A, and simultaneously with that, because it's really so much related, serve their clients more effectively, that really everything else just kind of can get pushed to the wayside, right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's 80-20 principle. I'm sure you've talked about this on here before, but you know, you get 80% of your results from 20% of your work. Like I, I know that if I take the time to build a good client guide or resource or, you know, cornerstone content or whatever you want to call it for my website, 
that time will pay off so much more than me sitting there for an hour and a half trying to write an Instagram caption that will be lost in 24 hours. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliantly summed up. Oh, this is so good. Really, I already have at least two different podcast episodes that additional (laughs) episodes we need to do here. This is really good stuff. Okay, so to the to the um, I guess within the the realm of time management, delegation is also something we talk about quite a bit. Is this something you've experiment experimented at all with in your business? Yeah, so I outsource all my editing. Um, that was number one to go because I just don't particularly enjoy it. Brilliant. And I have a CPA who does, you know, bookkeeping and accounting stuff for me. Okay. Um, and then I really consider my CRM, um, Tabe, as part of that delegation process too. Sure. Sure. Because I have so many automations set up as far as, you know, I never have to worry about like, shit, did I send that email to that one couple? Because that's already done automatically. Yeah. So at that point, you know, the client work I have to actually do myself is really, limited to like the couple filled out a questionnaire. Okay. Now it's time for me to come up with ideas for their elopement location for them and send that on. But even for those, you know, I have so many templates and like forms that I've used before and everything that they're pretty quick tasks for me to do. And that's the thing where I'm always trying to figure out of like, how can I do this more efficiently so that I have both more time to spend on the marketing and the website and the stuff I really think is fun, but also more time to spend on things that are not my business. (laughs) Yeah, heaven forbid you would actually want to do more than sit in front of a computer all day long. <laughs> yeah, well, I live in Colorado. Like, if I'm not in the mountains, why am I paying the housing market prices here? Yeah, yeah that's that's very, very fair. Okay, wow. I, I love how you summed all that up. This is, for those of you listening in, go, like, rewind, go back and listen to the last five minutes or so and just soak that in. Listen to it over and over again if you have to until it really you've truly absorbed it and then go do that thing because... You know, for any wedding, at least wedding photographers, and I can speak from that perspective because I was one, any wedding photographers that are spending more than, say, 25 hours on average a week working, uh, it, you're, you're doing something wrong, frankly. Uh, you know, there's, there's no reason why if you've got the systems in place, you're focusing on the things that actually drive business, why you should be working that much more than that many hours. You have to be intentional about it, to Nina's point. But it, it is very, very possible, especially with the wonderful tools like Tave that we have these days um, that enable us to have that kind of number one efficiency, but ultimately freedom and flexibility. So good, good stuff. Okay. Talk to me about a favorite self-help book or business book that's made a big difference in your life. Uh, Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. Yes. <laughs> 100%. Shout out. Yeah. I mean, that that was such a good one for me, just realizing that you know, traditionally, when you think about marketing language, or at least the way I thought about it before reading that book, having not had any actual education on marketing itself, you think about how do I sell myself to my clients, right? Like, how do I convince them that I am the best person to do the job? How do I talk about myself in such a way that they want to book me? And that book was just such a mind shift on realizing that I don't matter, the client does. Yes. And yet again, you sum it up so kind of briefly and yet brilliantly. There is, I don't want to um, minimize the significance of our enjoyment as photographers of the process of art, of being a business owner. Um, but I, this is one of the things, you know, that I've stressed over and over again here on the podcast, which is we really need to be thinking way more about the person that we're serving. And yes, I use the word serve. Uh, of course, not in the kind of old school sense, but just in, in the sense that we're focusing on how we can bring as much value and ultimately provide the most incredible experience for this individual that we are or couple or family or whoever it is that we're photographing. Uh, that's That should be our focus, not our ego-driven kind of nuanced desires for that, that are ultimately just for ourselves, they have little to do with the client's experience and ultimately generating revenue for our business. So I love, I love that that is your focus. And of course, this book, for those of you listening in, we've talked about this quite a bit on the, on the podcast before, but we'll certainly link to it in the show notes, bocapodcast.com. It also falls under a little website that our producer Haley has created over at bocabookshelf.com. It's one of the most popular books recommended on the podcast. So Make sure you check that out and get a copy if you haven't already. Nina, I want to jump into kind of our main portion of conversation today, the main topic. And and to kind of set us up, leading up to today, you had actually told me that you're passionate about creating resources, guides on your own website um, that position you as an expert, number one. Um, it, and of course, along with that, creates trust with potential clients. It helps SEO. It brings in real leads and bookings. 
and then lets you shoot exactly the type of work that you want with clients you love. And for anybody listening in, you probably just heard those those ideas and you're like, well, that sounds like a dream business is exactly what I want. So we're going to help you kind of move in that direction if you're not there already. Um, I certainly see those benefits, Nina, or the benefits innate to those points. But what got you interested in creating these resources specifically in the first place? Um, So before I was even a photographer, um, I had a couple of different blog projects over the years where when I first moved to the US, I had an au pair blog um, that was really more of a, you know, diary type of thing of what I'm doing here to keep people updated. But that got me started on, you know, websites and online resources and all of that, because it turned into a bit of a community of like Norwegian au pairs in the US gathering around the same website to share their experiences type of thing. And then a couple of years after that, while I was an English literature major at CU Boulder here, uh, I started a book blog. So I did a lot of reviewing books, creating resources around that. And so by the time I started a photography business, like like I said earlier, my website is my happy place. If I could spend all of my business hours just working on my website and resources and design and everything with that, I would be so happy. But that means, you know, I I knew I didn't want to take the route of like, okay, I'm going to put all my marketing time into my Instagram account or one of these things. I want to do it on my website where I own all the content I create. And so that was really where it came from. It's like, I, you know, I had to get some way of getting my name out there as a completely new photographer with no experience. Um, and I know how quickly I judge businesses based on their websites, (laughs) probably more than I should. Um, but I also knew that having a legit looking business website would be one of the quickest ways for me to start actually booking couples and building that trust of like, okay, she might not have shot that much, but she seems to know what she's doing. (laughs) Okay, so I, I have a number of kind of follow-up questions here that I, I sent to you ahead of time, but one that I didn't send you ahead of time, and, and this is kind of something that um, has kind of got, well, it just bothered me, frankly, over, over the last <laughs> three, four years. When it comes to this idea of creating a lead magnet, because when we're talking about creating resources, ultimately, we're going to offer that resource, at least with a caveat, which is that that person, the potential client in this case, gives us their email address or phone number, whatever it might be, so that we can follow up with them. And, and I've, you know, as photographers have also moved into the, it's really the online education space, I think that has kind of given me, kind of rubbed me the wrong way, if you will. These lead magnets just, they begin to feel very kind of scammy and sleazy. Mm -hmm. And and I'm like, of course, you're going to give me something for quote unquote free, because you're going to get something from me on the other side of that. How do you, how do you, maybe this is a question for later in the conversation, but how do you offer these resources in a way that, that is that legitimately feels like a wonderful value without that other person feeling like you're going to somehow take them in the end? Uh, Because I don't ask for their email address. Every single resource I'm talking about here is just posted publicly available on my website for anyone to see. Uh, you You don't have to put in your email. You don't have to download a PDF or join an email newsletter or any of that. Yeah. Um, because those things also don't do anything for your SEO. Um, you know, if you want to be resources you're creating to actually show up on Google and bring in traffic and not just traffic you paid for with a Facebook ad campaign to send someone to your lead page, then it has to be actually publicly available. And so I think that's a big thing is like, I didn't want to, it's hard to drive traffic to resources if the resource itself is not the thing that's driving the traffic, if that makes sense in yeah. a convoluted way. No, no, no. I, I love that. And and first of all, I love that you have taken a different route than a lot of photographers have. Um, and the, the logic of it totally makes sense. Okay. So we're going to get to SEO in just a second. One of the things that you mentioned when we talk about the benefits of these resources that you're offering is that it positions you as an expert and creates instant trust with potential clients. Now, I get the thought process, but just the, you know, for the fun of playing devil's advocate, if nothing else, do you feel like clients actually care whether we're expert as photographers in 2020 and, and, and oh, maybe kind of, okay. So tell me your thought process behind this. Uh, I, I can sum it up very easily because the majority of couples that contact me who fill out the contact form on my website mention my resources and, you know, when I say resources, they're, they're blog posts. Um, they mention those posts as a reason for why they're contacting me of, you know, we, we thought about eloping in Colorado and we weren't quite, quite sure how to go about it. But man, your elopement guide was so helpful. We now know for sure we want to do this. Are you available? And 
they've already sold themselves on wanting to work with me before they filled out the contact form. Uh, I could not do that without those resources. And so I think, you know, people trust authority. People trust someone who's already given them something for free. (laughs) That tends to be a big thing too. And that's also why I don't have like a, you have to give me your email to read this type of thing with it, because it creates that sense of reciprocity as well of, you know, oh, she already gave us all these resources for free. Can you imagine how much more we would get if we paid her to be our photographer? (laughs) Wow. But it's truly free. And and that's, that's largely why it's so compelling they're like, man, she gave us so much value. Why would I at least not start a conversation with her? Because she seems to have so much to offer. Huh? Exactly. And, you know, elopements are interesting in that they're so new that you have a lot of photographers who still charge way less than they should for them because they see them as less than weddings. Mm. Um, and then you have the people who are only doing elopements where we tend to charge quite a bit more. But if you're going to pay me for four hours, where someone else is offering that same four hours for $1,000, there has to be a reason why you want to book me. And my photos aren't that much better. Like that's, that's not what's selling me here. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. I I gotta, I gotta have you pause here because first of all, your, your work is stunning just to be clear. And, and, and I, I'm a bit of a cynic when it comes to photographer's work, but really, truly it's beautiful. I just love that you highlighted this notion that your photography isn't that much different than other photographers. Can you expound on that? Well, I mean, I know plenty of photographers who are charging $1,500 for all-day elopement coverage who take photos just as good as mine, but they're not getting the bookings because, for one, their websites aren't being seen by their clients. They're not having the traffic come in. Okay. And the other, like, there has to be something about your website that makes you stand out from the competition. And I think, for me, the position really has been that... I will make this as stress-free and easy as possible for you. Mm. Like you've never planned on elopement before. I've done over a hundred of these. Like I will talk you through everything. I'll help you figure out the timeline and the vendors and the location and all of these things. And I, I think, again, bringing it back to story brand, by the time people have made it through my website, they've already gone through this hero's journey in their head where they're like, oh, we want to do this and she can help us with all of these things. And at the end, we're going to have this amazing outcome because we've seen the testimonials. We've seen the photos. We know what the result will be if we work with her. Uh, There's so little selling left for me to do at the end of that. (laughs) Wow. And and by the way, just to back up what you're saying as far as price point, for those of you listening in, again, if you haven't looked at Nina's website yet, you need to. If you go to larsonphoto.co, but on the in the pricing section, I mean, you charge two k two thousand dollars for two hours of photography, and it goes up from there four thousand for four hours. And of course, this comes with a variety of things. But just to, I, I wanted to kind of emphasize or further emphasize what you pointed out, Nina, which is that you are charging a premium in this case, and it's right there on the open for everybody to see. Do you, yep. Some photographers they'll they will avoid putting that information there, and they'll just they're trying to kind of draw that potential client and get them to have a conversation with them and then they'll share prices is the reason you put them out there to begin with yeah i got really tired of answering emails from people who ghosted me ah, okay. <laughs> um so so i've tried doing it both ways you know i've, I've played around with it on and off over the years okay. um, but anytime i have taken my prices off my website i get way more leads from price shoppers who are looking for the super cheap experience and the higher paying leads all seem to disappear ah. um I, I know there's a theory of that people with money have no problem spending it. They right. just want to know upfront what it costs. Hmm. And so, you know, am I shooting myself in the foot on like, I could have, you know, via email provided such an amazing experience that someone would pay more than they had originally budgeted. Absolutely. But that's so much extra work for me. Yeah. And, you know, at this point I'm getting, I'm averaging around 50 to 60 leads a month. Um, wow. That's already a lot of emails to reply to. Wow. Uh, I don't have a virtual assistant yet. And yeah, so I, I just wanted to save myself the time. And I think there's something about 2022 where people are just like, don't waste my time. I don't want to have to contact you just for you to tell me you're yep. way too expensive for me. Yep. And at least for the type of couples I like working with, they all mention of like, oh, we're so glad we didn't have to like get on a call first to then find out what the pricing is. Okay. So talk to me. One of the benefits you mentioned of these resources was quote, real leads, of course, generated by those lead magnets, if you will, but then also SEO, the significance of SEO as it relates to generating real leads. Can you explain, I guess it's really a two-part question. Can you explain, first of all, what you mean by real leads, uh, as, you know, as opposed to dot, 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 um, and, and then yeah. how that ties into SEO? 
Yeah. So, I mean, I think real leads for me is like people I actually want to work with, okay. um, you know, not just the people who send in an email where they're like, Hey, we're getting married on the state. What's your pricing? Uh-huh. Uh, the, no one likes getting that email. You know, we all want to feel a little special when we get that contact form filled out of like, tell me why you want to work with me. Right. Tell me what you're planning. What have led you to fill this form out? Like, make me excited about replying to you. That's all I want from a lead. Mm. (laughs) And I also think that the people who put in that level of effort when contacting you, again, are easier to close the sale on. And so that's definitely one of the things I've seen is that the more thorough I make my website, the more helpful I try to make it for these couples, the more of those good leads I get where they've already they've already sold themselves. And all I have to do now is, you know, schedule a video chat with them and make sure we actually get along and that we're on the same page about what's happening. And from there, it's pretty easy. Uh, That totally makes sense. And of course, plays along the same line of conversation we were having just a few minutes ago about going ahead and putting the prices out there. It takes a lot of unnecessary steps out of the process, which I think is wonderful. How does this relate to SEO? Yeah. So I I think with the resources, um, you know, it used to be like when you look at the blogging advice I got in 2017, when I was first really starting doing weddings, it was all, you know, you shot a wedding at uh, like the Hotel Boulderado. You blog Hotel Boulderado wedding and you throw up the best photos from that wedding and you write two, three hundred words about how pretty it was and how great the couple is. And at the time, that was usually enough to get you on the front page of Google for that search term. That's not the case anymore. And more than that, when I look at the few of those older blog posts I still have, one of those posts might drive 20, 30 clicks a month to my website if I'm lucky. And when I'm talking about resources, um, like the big one that drives traffic for me uh, is my Colorado elopement guide. But I also still have one that's targeted for Boulder wedding venues, Estes Park wedding venues, um, you know, content I wrote before I stopped really booking things at venues. Okay. And each of these pieces of content are driving thousands of clicks to my website every month. And that's where the SEO comes in is that when you have a resource that is helpful to your ideal clients, that is getting you closer towards your goal, whether that is to book more weddings at a specific venue or a type of weddings or elopements or whatever it is in an area, you know, the purpose behind you putting out that post, it will drive traffic to your website. And the traffic is the type of people who are looking for the answers you are providing. Those are also your clients. Yeah, I'm I'm on that page. And by the way, for anybody listening in, if you just go to larsonphoto.co and click on the elopement guide, it'll take you to that very Colorado elopement guide that Nina was talking about. Uh, there, This is such an information-rich feature that she literally has a table of contents, um, which in and <laughs> of itself- also its- helps with SEO. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I can imagine. But that in and of itself is, I mean, if, if I'm just looking at the link, I'm literally having to scroll, continue to scroll, actually, to even look through all the table of contents. And the only reason I point that out is for everybody listening and to, to at least kind of, as you're listening to this right now, imagine how information-rich this- elopement guide is there is so much information and and it very much plays to this topic of seo i mean the amount of words related to the topic which ultimately will get nina that potential client uh i mean it's there's just so much here it's amazing well and i think that's where um the internet is moving in the direction of instead of you having 300, 400 blog posts on your website that each of those posts is optimized for one tiny little keyword Mm. and brings you 10, 20 clicks a month, having one major resource or, you know, two, three, four, five major resources, depending on what your focus is and what you're trying to book more of, you hit a hundred keywords with the same post and drive that many more times traffic to it. It it, like it's it's the only thing that's really working right now for SEO because everything else got too competitive. I mean, for each venue that you could Google with the name wedding behind, you already have 200 photographers that have put up a single blog post about that. So if you want to outrank those other pages, you have to do something better. And I think that's where, you know, people used to go for the easy win of like, as long as I say, you know, Hotel Boulderado wedding photographer seven times in this blog post, I bet I'll show up for it. <laughs> that's not a good user experience for the people who even clicked on it, right? right? right. They are looking for 
what does this venue look like in different seasons? What does this look like at different times of the day? Uh, are there different ceremony sites on the same property? You know, like put yourself in the shoes of someone who's actually putting in the search term in Google in the first place. Yeah. What are they looking for and how can you answer those questions? Like that's really what resource creation comes down to is, you know, trying to be the most helpful result out there because Google can tell the difference between I stuffed a bunch of keywords into a couple of words about <laughs> fluffy, pretty photos and stuff. And, you know, this is actually content. Well, and, and not just Google, but to your point that that potential reader and potential client, they can also tell if you yeah robotically generated some words for the sake of SEO. Okay. So the third primary benefit that you mentioned earlier of these resources and, and in this context, specifically this this incredible resource that you've created, the elopement guide, the Colorado elopement guide. You mentioned that this enables you to shoot exactly the type of work that you want with clients you love. And, you know, of course, this is something that I, I would assume, at least most photographers anyway, would certainly hope for, work toward. But how would you say this contrasts uh, with what many, if not most photographers are currently doing with their businesses? Well, I think most of us are and I have been in this position myself is we're so focused on just getting the next booking and making money that we'll book whatever client wants to give us their money, you mm. know, even if it's not the specific type of jobs that really fuels us up and gets us excited about showing up for the day. So, I mean, one of those for me was, you know, I, I used to book these 200 person weddings at big fancy venues and I kind of hated all of them. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, not the couples, the couples are great, but sure. like the setting of, that stressful time packed 10 hour timeline where like everything has to happen down to the five minute increment and all of those things, like it was not working for me. And so when I started thinking about like, well, what do I want to book more of? The answer of elopements was pretty obvious. Mm. And so, I mean, for, as a specific resource example um, that helped me get more of the type of clients I want, you can create your own ideal clients more than just like looking for them out in the wild. Right. And I think this is where, Anyone can be an ideal client with the right education. And so when I started booking elopements, I had a lot of people who'd come to me and they're like, okay, you know, we want to elope on this Saturday of Labor Day weekend in Rocky Mountain National Park. And every time I just cringe of like, you have no idea, like we'll spend an hour and a half just trying to drive through the entrance gates that day because it's so damn busy, <laughs> it, you know, and stuff like that where you just know of what's, why am I not excited about this? Right. And I realized of like, well, my couples have never eloped before. They've never been to these locations before. How can I expect them to know that weekdays in the off season are better if I'm not telling them that? And so I wrote a blog post on, you know, seven reasons you should consider a weekday elopement. And immediately, because I put that prominently on my website in a place where clients would see it, it wasn't even that they were finding that post on Google, but they found it on my website once they were already there. And by the time they contacted me, they're like, oh, and we read your post and we totally want to do a Thursday so we don't have to deal with crowds of people in the background. Brilliant. Yes, this yeah. is what I want. Oh, wow. That's really great. So, I mean, really, it comes down to communicate. Well, first of all, cr creating the expectations associated with that ideal client scenario and then communicating that information clearly to the potential client. And you're you're immediately setting yourself up for success in that regard because you're you're speaking you're well, really i guess you're just kind of outlining the experience that you will provide that draws in those who can relate to that or that, that resonates with and it's a win-win yeah and i mean if you, if you're at that point you know super tied into like we have to have this one specific date on a saturday in the busiest location in colorado I'm probably just going to turn you down at that point because I've already given you the opportunity. You know, I've talked to you about why this is important to me, yeah. why I think it should be important to you. And if you're still not relating with that, then, you know, I have the opportunity to say no to that. Um, but I think that's where obviously this comes from a somewhat privileged position too of getting enough leads to the point where I can turn people away. Uh, I cannot say that I would have done the same thing three, four years ago when I was still just, you know, trying to build a portfolio and book as much work as possible. But I think the further into your business you get, the more you should be getting picky with what type of work am I booking? Yeah. Is this what I want to be doing? Mm -hmm. And how can I narrow that down Like before people even contact me by creating resources about what I like? Well, let's get to the creation of those resources. Uh, you mentioned to me before we started recording that you've got four principles to share about what really helps a photographer create a, a super helpful 
resource or set of resources that will actually benefit uh, the, the end client. Can you share those principles with us? Yeah. So the first thing I think is super important to start with is to actually set a specific goal for what are you hoping to get out of this? Okay. Um, and, you know, it's it's easy to just go for like, well, I should also write a Colorado elopement guide or I should also write a guide of venues in my town. But if you're only trying to book let's say, you know, the most luxurious ballrooms in your town, do you really need a venue guide that also includes, you know, the small little barn ranch situations on the outskirts? Probably not, right? Because those are not going to get you the jobs you want. Um, And so being really specific with what is your ideal outcome from this before you start creating the resource is really important. Um, So that's number one, start there. Once you have that, put yourself in your client's shoes. Uh, What are they Googling that they, you know, what questions do they have about the process? What are they trying to solve before they book a photographer? Um, Cause you know, I think a lot of us think about optimizing our websites. It's like, Oh, I have to optimize for, you know, Boulder, Colorado wedding photographer or wherever you're based. But most people, like most of my traffic comes from people who are Googling how to elope in Colorado long before they even think about, Oh, and then we should book a photographer as the next step. And so trying to get earlier onto the process, um, you know, for wedding photographers, this is easy because we know that one thing people always book before their photographer is their venue. So that's the easiest place to start for people who are interested in booking weddings. I haven't worked outside of weddings. Like I haven't really done family and newborns and all of those things. So I'm not quite as ready with examples for what would be a good resource for those. Um, But I have a blog post I can link to actually, if you want to throw it in there from Fuel Your Photos, the guys over there have a blog post list of like 200 ideas for resources. So that's a good one for um, people who are not doing weddings. But yeah, so you're trying to figure out um, what are they searching for? And so if I was still doing traditional weddings, you know, I know couples are looking for venues, but more than just searching bolder venues, they might be searching affordable venues in Boulder or industrial venues in Boulder or any of these things. And, um, you know, outdoor ceremony sites, like really just brainstorm and like dump into a document, all of the terms people could be using. And then think about how can you put all of this together into a guide that actually answers their questions. Um, So that's onto principle three, you know, two, you've done your research, you've looked at the keywords, do a lot of Googling yourself to find out what are people actually searching. Google has the cool, like people also, you might also be interested in type of searches when you type in one thing. Those are great because if you search for one thing, you're interested in making a guide on and Google suggests that you want to also hit those topics because Google's going to see that your guide answers all the things. Okay. But yeah. And then when it comes to the actual creation, like Man, there's so much you could go into with SEO that I cannot do the technical part of that as this podcast because that would be way too long. Sure, sure. But write as if you're talking to real people and not just a search engine. Mm. Um, That is by far the biggest key is like, I know a lot of us have a hard time with writing, but do like um, talk to text if that's more natural to you so that it doesn't sound all like stiff and business professional. You know, really picture like, who's one of your favorite couples you've ever worked with. If you were sitting across the table from them, trying to explain this guide to them, what kind of language would you be using? How would you be talking to them? Um, I think is really helpful for not letting it get too stiff. That totally makes sense. But yeah. And so within that, the more questions you can answer, the better, but it does not have to be, you know, 10,000 words is not necessarily necessarily better than 5,000 words. You do also want to be concise and you don't want to just put in fluff that doesn't answer questions. Mm. And so like for my venue guides, I only have like two or three sentences about each venue, but I really want to nail down on like, if someone clicks on my venue guide, cause they're looking for different venues, what's going to be the sentence that convinces them to click on this venue over the next one on the list, you know, or what sets them apart you don't want to give them everything. You obviously don't want to copy language off of the venues websites, <laughs> but you're just giving them enough info for them to then continue doing their own research too on a lot of these things. You know, my elopement guide is an example. I have a section on there called best places to elope in Colorado, Yeah. but I also introduce it kind of tongue in cheek of like, look, I'm not going to give you my best examples in this blog post where it's public because that's what you pay me for. (laughs) Sure. So I think it's totally okay to have that type of conversational tone with the readers in your post too of like, here's what I'm doing with this guide. I want you to get as much info as you need. 
for the initial process. If this makes you want to work with me, here's everything else I will do for you further down the process. You know, I I think another quote, um, which I can't remember where from, is um, you give away the why, but you sell the how. Okay. Yeah. And that's exactly what you want to be doing with a lot of these guides, right? It's like you're giving away, here's why these are good venues for you to choose from all of these things. But if you want to actually work with me, you know, that's, that's what you pay me for. Yeah. You actually, and I I found that little spot on your elopement guide. It says, I love getting to share hidden gems with couples. So if you don't see what you're looking for here, reach out and I'll help you find the best place to elope in Colorado. And it's not like passive aggressive or anything. You're just kind of, you're teasing the idea that you actually have a lot more to offer than even what you just put in this incredible, incredible resource. And hopefully that draws them in. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, there's a lot of ethics that go into it too. We're like, I feel like I'm, uh, especially in the elopement space, um, because we're not working with venues, we're working with, you know, trails and national, natural, national forests, national yeah. parks, and all of these things. Yep. You don't want to name your best spots online because the place that was super quiet and amazing for your couples this year is going to be overrun by other photographers next year. If you put it public on your website, you know, it's just the unfortunate nature of the game is that, I know that I get just as much traffic from other photographers to this guide as I do from couples. Yeah, yeah. And so, of course, I'm not going to share my favorite locations there, but I will share the ones that are location names Google expects to see in there, like Maroon Bells and Rocky Mountain National Park and places that are as far from secret and hidden gems as possible, because those are names people are actually Googling too. No one's going to Google directly the name of my favorite trail with elopement behind it because they don't even know that trail exists. <laughs> Well, this has been just beyond wonderful. I mean, as far as an episode goes, Nina, the level of practical suggestions, actionable suggestions that you've made has just been uh, incredible. I mean, I'm I'm truly elated. I'm very, very excited about our conversation. You add so much value. Just to kind of sum up for everybody listening in too, the the points that you made here, um, first of all, in order to create one of these really helpful resources, be clear about your ideal outcome, number one. Two, create a lead magnet that is relevant early in the planning process. And and you added to that, Nina, that, that it's important to utilize keyword research tools. Are, are there any in particular that you would recommend? I, I honestly just like going into Google itself and playing around with different things there. Okay. Um, there's a lot of like paid tools and stuff you can do, but... Um, most of them are not worth it. Like you're not going to pay a hundred bucks a month for most photographers for an SEO tool, unless you're really into this. So I I wouldn't even start with that. Like literally just Googling things and seeing what like similar suggestions show up um, is a great place to start, but really putting yourselves in your client's shoes and thinking about what are they searching for? Well, and to that end, the third point, write as though you're actually having a conversation with one of those clients or potential clients use natural language. And then fourth, uh, the more questions that you can answer, the better. And and I really love that to frame, you know, you're sitting down to I mean, most photographers just aren't natural writers. So they sit down to go write a, a blog post of some kind, in this case, potentially a resource. And they're just like, okay, where do I even start? Where do I go from here? And if you start with just how many questions, relevant questions, can I answer for this potential client to give as much value as possible? then it would be it would that potential outline for the content that you're about to write would come a little bit more naturally yeah exactly and you know by the time the client is finished reading this like it doesn't matter if you've shot at all of these venues before or not they're still going to trust you to know what you're doing because you've provided them with something valuable for free and i will also throw in because a lot of people will get stuck in their head about like i I can't write about all 30 venues I want to shoot at because I've only shot at four of them in the past. <laughs> yeah. Reach out to the other 26, ask if you can come for a quick tour and take some photos for this guide you're building. Tell them that I'm putting together something for my website where I'm going to promote you for free. Can I have 20 minutes of your time to take some photos? And not a single one of them will say no. That's interesting. Yeah. And then they get value from it as well. That's that's a exactly. wonderful you, you idea. Get to talk to the venue coordinator. You get yeah. to give them photos after. Hopefully they share some of your photos on social. You yeah. might even get a backlink from them. Yeah. Like 
so many gains from that. But like, don't don't use that as an excuse to not write a resource of I don't know enough. I mean, when I wrote my first guide on Rocky Mountain National Park, I had never been to a single one of their ceremony sites. Hmm. And so I took the day off to, you know, I mean, not off, it was work, but I took the day to drive around to each of these places and just take photos of them, you know, empty in nature with nothing else set up. It doesn't have to be a style shoot for it to be helpful for a resource. <laughs> Well, again, I can't say enough how wonderful this has been. Um, you just, you, you add, and, and apparently it's a theme. You add so much value, Nina. Um, this conversation has been just truly really wonderful. And, and I hope those of you listening in, not only that you've, you've taken notes, but maybe even go back through and listen to at least portions of this over again. So you're truly absorbing the information that was shared here because one, it's, it's super practical. Two, it's actionable, immediately actionable. And um, you could actually go do things with these ideas that would make an almost immediate difference in your business. So uh, I really can't thank you enough. Nina, will you just briefly share with our listeners uh, one more time where they can find you and follow what you're doing online? Yeah. So I'm really only active on my website and Instagram. Um, Instagram is a lot of cat photos on my stories these days. So. Um, so my website is larsenphoto.co. It is L-A-R-S-E-N, not S-S-O-N because I'm not Swedish. <laughs> and uh, same thing on Instagram, larsenphoto.co. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm at. Perfect. And we're going to put this in the show notes, bocapodcast.com. Everybody listening in, make sure you take advantage of the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Incredible resource. Um, it, thanks once again, Nina. This has been lovely. Of course. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much, photographers, for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought of the show by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at bocapodcast.com. Make sure to visit our sponsors, photographersedit.com, custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and milu.com, that's M-I-I-L-U.com, the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing.